welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to episode 91 of Australia's favourite small business marketing podcast. I am your host, Timbo Reid, and we are brought to you by the good folk at netregistry.com.au. If you want to get your online marketing sorted, then they are the folk to go and have a chat with. Now, uh, I am sitting here up on the sunny Sunshine Coast on a family holiday in Noosa, uh, but the marketing radar is not turned off completely, let me tell you. Just hop off. Just hopped off a jet ski. Uh, had a great time racing jet skis around off the uh, off the ocean beach there at Noosa, and um, had the little girl on the back who was absolutely you know whating herself, uh, but we had a good time nonetheless, and got talking to the guy. I know, can't help myself. Got talking to the guy who owns the jet ski hire business about his marketing. Mind you, he did ask me what I did. So I had to tell him, and as a result, of course, a marketing conversation ensued, uh, and I'm going to touch on that halfway through an interview I'm about to share with you. So a um, little bit more on uh, the jet ski hire man and how he could be improving his marketing return on investment. Now, let me tell you something. Oh, by the way, welcome to everyone from the Flying Solo community as well, um, all those solopreneurs out there. I know you're listening. So welcome aboard. Now, I've been sitting on this interview for a few months now, um, and it's just a cracker of an interview. Um, for those of you who listen to many of the shows I've done, um, I had planned on launching, and still might, launching a, an interview series with famous Australian business owners called That Winning Feeling. And look, you know, I've done a number of interviews in that series already, which I'm just sitting on, uh, and I don't like sitting on good quality stuff for too long, and that winning feeling ain't going to show its head in the next month or two. So I kind of figured I'll share this interview instead. Um, Interesting lesson, uh, sometimes we take on too many things. Hello, that's me. Uh, And that winning feeling was something that uh, I am still passionate about, but, you know, with all the different things going on in my business life, it was just one of those things that wasn't going to get produced very quickly. So instead of um, dragging it out, I'm going to start sharing some of the interviews I've done on it. This interview is with Tom O'Toole. Who's Tom O'Toole? Tom O'Toole is the founder of the Beechworth Bakery, which is a, uh, um, a series, a set, I don't know what you call it, but it's six really fantastic bakeries throughout Victoria in Australia. Uh, and I'm not talking about just your, your everyday run-of-the-mill bakery. These are very special bakeries. You've got to go and kind of try one out to see how good they are. And if you ever go there, the bee stings are something to die for. Not that I'd know because I'm on a diet, of course. Now, in this interview, Tom Tom's larger than life. Tom is a real, real character. Um, and he gets really personal, shares some really great insights both into the business and to his business life, okay, to the point where in his early 30s, uh, things weren't going to plan. And uh, he was looking down a very very dark tunnel. So um, yeah, it gets pretty heavy this interview, but it's an inspiring, inspiring chat. And I'm so grateful to Tom for sharing what he has shared in the way he built this fantastic, fantastic business that he does have these days called the Beechworth Bakery. 
Um, in fact, uh, when we turned off the microphones, Tom actually said, he said, boy, you have asked me some questions that no one ever, ever asked before. So quite proud of that. Um, as I said, he's, he's a character larger than life. Guys, um, sit back, enjoy this interview, pen and paper at the ready because there, there is some marketing gold and some business building gold in here. Um, and please enjoy. Here's Tom. I thought I'd, I'd start by asking you, um, getting you to embellish um, a quote that I found on your website, tomotool.com.au, and yeah. it says, I'm someone who happens to know the taste of deprivation, failure and despair, a man who knows what poverty and being illiterate feels like. That sounds like you've got a bit of a story to tell before you tasted success. Do you want to share that? Well, look, I, I was brought up in poverty. I, um, uh, uh, mum, dad, and the five kids, we all slept in one tent, tent together, dirt floors, no electricity, uh, a little asbestos sheeted kitchen, no windows, just actually we had a bit of perspex as, uh, but, uh, dirt floors. Well, they had a bit of a timber floor, but the white ants ate it out, so we just went back to the dirt. Um, no, no bathroom, uh, no electricity, um, Slept with my brother all my all my youth. Uh, one single bed till I my first goal was uh, to get a double bed. We moved out of that tent um, when I was a youngster, and um, we moved into a one bedroom house. Mum and Dad had the bedroom. We stayed in the tent for quite a while, and we and so yeah. Look, I was brought up in poverty, and. Uh, um, I have a learning difficulty. I've never learnt the alphabet. I've never. I don't know how to use a calculator or com- or anything. You know, like I have um, numbers that. Uh, yeah. So you know. So people find this really strange that I've built a a multi million dollar business and I'm as thick as a brick. And uh, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so I. You know. I. I, uh, I. I got too big for the desk at high school at primary, and and they had to send me to high school. And uh, my younger brother he'd already gone to high school pretty embarrassing isn't it when you're younger Brian I'm still back in primary mm-hmm. and uh yeah I left school at 14 not knowing the alphabet and uh and I still have uh I still have you know I have uh, all anything uh, you know I have to it, it's a challenge uh um uh, technology is a challenge for me um lots of things are challenges for me uh um, uh, they uh, they just told me I was dumb and I played I played the part and today they tell me I'm just dyslexic but you know I get around I can read quite good people find that really strange how can you read if you don't know the alphabet but mm-hmm. the alphabet's got nothing to do with reading I don't think uh, I can read quite good. Tom, it sounds to me, I've got a picture of, um, you know, that house Charlie lived in, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's almost apt, given you're a baker and uh, Willy Wonka was the, the chocolate man. Um, have you ever seen that film? Can you imagine? No, I haven't. I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I, I know of it, but I haven't never seen it. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a TV man. I, I was brought up without electricity and we, my brother ended up, we ended up getting electricity and my dad was always terrified of it. You know, he was Irish, my dad, and he would never turn the electric jug on. He'd have to call out to mum, mum, you know, turn, he wasn't, he didn't trust that bloody electricity. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and we got a, we got a TV and we had this tiny little house and uh, the seven of us would be all crammed in the lounge room. Now, the lounge room was, oh, I don't know, 
10 foot by 10, tiny, you know, and the claustrophobic, you could hardly breathe, and two dogs, and oh, I thought TV's not for me, you know. So, so Tom... So I've never been a TV watcher, really. And, you know, back then, did you... Did you think, you know, I am going to do everything I can to improve on this situation when I have the opportunity? I did. I did. I hated living in poverty. Anyone who will tell you that it's spiritual living in poverty, it's bullshit. There's nothing spiritual about living in poverty. I hated it. You know, all our clothes. My first pair of shoes was from a nun, and they were they were women's shoes. But they were sort of not really women, but they were wool lined. They were wool. Up until then, we had plastic sandals. Or you know, in my day, I was born in '52, but in my day. Lots of other kids, when there's, you know, we all put cardboard in our soles of our shoe. That was just normal. Every day, you know, you put cardboard in <laughs> in in your shoes, and when you had shoes, but we always sandals falling to pieces, plastic sandals. But um, yeah, look, I I hated living in poverty. I hated wearing other people's clothes. I um, hated being smelly. Um, the nuns used to wash us when we were in primary and uh, because we, were, we didn't have a bathroom. We had the river. We lived on the Murray River and uh, um, we had, a, we had a, 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 a tub and all that, but um, being in, from an Irish family, it wasn't uh, uh, bathing wasn't a, a big thing in our family. So, so did you, who did you talk to? Did you did you have a, a a mate or someone who you'd sit down with by the river and go, "Geez, you know, one day, one I day." Did, did I did, but they used to think I was a bit of a nutter. I think, but look, I used to look at business people. So we didn't have a car, and uh, and uh, there was no uh, cars in our family, and 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 I and I the business people they owned a car, and uh, they had nice houses, they had houses, you know. We we uh, and um, uh, and I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be in business, and uh, I, I was always looking, looking uh, for that idea and that edge. You know, I was gonna, uh, you know, as a young fellow, I'd catch rabbits, I'd go fishing all the time, catch fish and sell them, crayfish, illegally caught crayfish, Murray River cray, you know, out the Murray River, sold them. I bought my first set of false teeth with uh, when I was 14. My dad always been Irish. Best thing you can do, get your teeth out. And I listened to the silly old bugger. <laughs> Best thing you can ever do. But anyway, saved up, saved up, always looking um, uh, for ways to make money and uh, – I could never find it really. I, I, I was, uh, worked in the toad cordial factory and then I, I took up an apprenticeship at, as a baker and, um, and um, changed. Anyway, I, I finished my apprenticeship and um, got, my ta- got my apprenticeship papers when I was teaching tribal Aboriginals to bake bread in Almond Land in Manangrida. They come in the mail and, uh, and, uh, and you know, no one's ever got to look at them. You know, my name was Tom Toole. And I got sick of being called Dickhead and Shovel, and I changed my name when I was in Manangrida uh, to Tom O'Toole, and it was the best $23 I ever spent. You know, it, uh, people, uh, you know, I, I got sick of being called Dickhead and Shovel, and, and it sort of yeah. took away that dumb Tom Tool. How do you spell yeah. that? Tom O'Toole. It was great. It gave me – O'Toole means the son of Tool, and, uh, and uh, I did that. But, uh, and and to, how old are you at this stage? I'm 59 going on 20. No, no, well, I knew you were 59 now, but uh, I'd never be so rude How to ask that. How old was I then, Manangrida? Yeah. 
when yeah. I changed my name, I was 20. So it was the day that you got your, your baker's apprenticeship, uh, was that the turning point where you thought, hang on, this is, this is what I'm going to do? I'm going to no. build a baking empire? No, no, it wasn't. No? I, um, <laughs> Not that I simple? Back, I was doing back doing my apprenticeship in Albury, a bit of I, – I worked in many places during my apprenticeship. I changed my apprenticeship uh, employees three times. Every time it was time to go to school, I had to leave that job because I thought if I, if I went to William Anglis or I went to uh, Sydney, uh, uh, they would find out that I was too dumb and, uh, and I would never get a ticket. So I had to change. And, uh, and my boss in my um, last boss in my apprenticeship, Frank Sinnott, a wonderful, wonderful man, he could see uh, that I was, his daughter actually helped me a lot. I was doing correspondence with my, uh, to get my certificate and because I wasn't doing it, so I couldn't do it. And, um, and uh, anyway, he got, anyway, he ended up helping me get my ticket. But he asked me, there was a business for sale out at Talangata. And he said to me, Tom, there's this business out there for sale. And I went out and had a look and I fell in love with it. Wow, in a little town, and and it was I could see the potential, and and um, and I come back and I said to Frank, boy, it's what I want, I love it. And he said, well, how are you going to buy it? I said, well, gee, I don't know. He <laughs> said, well, have you got rich relations? I said, no. He said, do you buy a lottery ticket? I said, no. He said, well, how are you going to buy it? And uh, I had no money, and. Uh, I really wanted it, and uh, so he made me think, and he, you know, and 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 I realised I had to work harder. I'd always did two jobs through my apprenticeship. Always did every part time, but I was boarding, and you know what I mean. Wages then, uh, wages were sixteen dollars a week, and my board was twelve dollars. Um, so I I applied for that job up at. Managrita. So I left that job there. I was doing, and and, and when I was in Managrita, I I went on to I was a manager of a bakery, and it was I was getting paid six thousand dollars for the year, a year, six days a week, maybe seven days a week, sometime, and uh, six and I and I worked in another uh, the Hasty Tasty. It was a canteen on the Aboriginal settlement, and uh, and I saved and I saved and. Uh, I bought a couple of blocks of land, but I, I did, yeah. It, 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 I, I went and bought my first business uh, when I was in Armand Land in Managrita. I bought my first business when I was twenty-one. So, so you ended up getting the money. You, you, I you, ended up mentor. getting the money. I bought a couple of blocks of land uh, through a sander through a finance company. Um, um, I think about a thousand dollars each, and. Uh, uh, and this was just before the inflation and uh, anyway, and I ended up selling them a couple of years later and I uh, sold them for about $6,000, which was or $6,000 each. I'm not sure. I made a lot of money. And uh, that gave me enough to buy my first business um, and with the money I'd saved and I worked and saved all the time. And uh, and uh, I seen a business that was for sale when I was in Armand Land. I, I come back on holidays down home to Tokemall and I seen a business for sale at Yarrawonga and I bought my first business. Now, I was 21, still not knowing the alphabet, not knowing how a calculator works, cannot 
I, I got as far as two times tables. Um, uh, uh, figures are Chinese to me. I know about bottom line. That's all I worry about. But anyway, I went into this business um, with hardly the ability to sign my name. And, um, and boy, oh, boy, it was a disaster. You know, it was hard. I, I, I didn't know how to run a business. I was 21. I, I, I was managing the the business in 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 Armand Land, but I had the uh, the manager of the association. They were doing all the bookwork, and they could see I could they could see I could train the Aboriginals to bake bread, but they could see that I had no idea of I, I could order stuff and I could do all this, and I knew what I had to make and do all that. I was very very good on all that stuff, but um, figures and that. Um, they looked after that. So I was, I've always been looked after. But anyway, I, I went into my first business and, uh, and it was hard. And then, and then another business come up for say, and I ended up having two businesses and, you know, uh, two bakeries. And anyway, it's just gone from there. And, so, and, and Tom, um, you, you say you, you haven't got your alphabet, you're not very good with numbers, this yes. and that you haven't got. Then what is it? That what have you got? What have you got that has allowed you to do what you've done? And we haven't we haven't described to our listeners what you have achieved yet, but that that will come. But so what what what's what's the Tomo tool magic? Oh, probably hunger, I suppose. I, I'm uh, I just wanted to live a better life. I wanted. I wanted to have a decent car that I could hop in and I could turn it on and it'd go because I always had bombs and uh, uh, I wanted I wanted to travel. I wanted um, I just hated living in poverty. You know, I, I just wanted a better life. I just wanted a better life. I I, I had a, a bit of a chip on my shoulder, um, I suppose, and I I, I I I don't know what was I was driven. I was driven. I must admit. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose what, you know, because my brothers and sisters weren't like this, you know what I mean? They're, they're uh, uh, not in business. And uh, um, what, what, what it was, was uh, I suppose, w- was goal setting changed my, my life a lot. You know, I set that first goal when I was sleeping with my brother for all my childhood that, that, to get a double bunk. And I bought it. I, I, I seen it in a catalogue, and I cut this picture out of this double bunk, and I stuck it on the on the on the on the wall beside us. Now we were sort of at that time we we're sleeping in a lean to outside of the the timber home we'd had moved on. There was an old timber home we had moved onto our our block, and um, and I had this, and and I just. That was my number one goal, and and and, and that's what I've sort of done um, all through. I, I had got not knowing they were goals; they were just knowing that I wanted to have a better life, and uh, so I was always um, dabbling in buying property. And and, and if you still do you, even now at the age of fifty nine, having achieved what you've achieved, do you still feel that hunger? Not so much today. I'm, well, I'm pretty comfortable today. I've just come back from Europe. I've been over there for a month. Um, uh, you know, I lead a pretty wonderful life today. I'm still driven a bit, I suppose. I um, uh, I lead a, a, a quiet life, but you know, I'm, I'm I. 
Uh, yeah, do I still driven? Yeah, look, I, I want our bakery to be a success. I want I want I want my guys to do better. I want them to do better. I, I think we we can run the business a lot better. I believe uh, we can do better. So um, hmm. I am still driven that way. Okay, I, so let, let, let's go forward then, because we, we've you, we've touched on the bakery, but I'll, I'll save you the embarrassment because you're a humble fellow, Tom. But you, let me let me quantify for our listeners exactly what it is you've achieved. And I'll read this off your website, um, and it's a continuation of that earlier quote. It says, "As it also happens, it also uh, I'll start again." And who also happens to know how to turn a failing little bakery in an isolated and dying country town with a population of 3,000 into a company with an annual turnover in excess of $12 million, serving over 1 million customers per year, end of quote. And and that is what we all know and love um, as Victorians as the Beechworth Bakery. So, Tom, how did that come to be? Well, look, actually, today we have six bakeries and it's, we're turning over in excess of 14 million. I'm not sure how much in excess of 14 million, but uh, that's cash over the counter, retail cash. I like cash. Yep. Um, look, I, uh, like I said, I've been in business since I was 21, but I, I did very well in a bakery in Western Australia at Cape Lewin at Augusta, a t- population of town of 500 people, but it would swell to many, many thousands in the school holidays and, and Christmas and Easter and um, did very well. And and at age 30 or maybe 31, I officially retired, actually. I did very well and um, went to Europe for a couple of months. Had, by this time, I had a couple of kids and, and married, got married about 25 and um, anyway, uh, our marriage wasn't good, wasn't real good, worked all the time, seven days a week, loved it, loved it. It's a real escapism for me and uh, and sold that business up and retired. Was was travelling around Australia after coming back from Europe. And uh, Had you fully retired? Had you said, I'm not working again or was it, was uh, it a sabbatical? I said that, but I, was, I wasn't. I was having myself on. I was going to go live in Tasmania and live happily ever after, you know. But, <laughs> Uh, never got there on that trip, but um, uh, we were travelling and, and I got bored. After six months being out of business, um, I got bored and I come into Beechworth. Oh, wow. You know, uh, I'd been in business in Beechworth years before, but I don't sort of talk about that. But I come back to Beechworth and I just seen it with fresh eyes, the potential. In the, in, I'd, been, I'd been away from Beechworth for six and a half, seven years. And in that time, I'd been to Europe and I'd been to Asia, Malaysia and North Folk Island and Tasmania. I've been to New Zealand. Uh, I, I'd been to... Mauritius. I'd been to many, many where there was tourism was, and I come back to uh, to Beechworth in 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 eighty four, and I seen all this potential that no one was capitalised on on tourism, and I said to my wife at the time, I uh, no, I wanted to go back into business, and I promised I wouldn't go back into business. Went back into business. And uh, a few months later, she ran off with the big Fiji, and, and when she left, I fell madly in love with her. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we often do that with our staff yeah. or our customers. We think, oh, they weren't that bad after all, you know, but uh, left me with the kids. And and that's really, at age 32 I was then, um, that's 
when I got my act together. I, I asked for help. I got involved with Lifeline. I was suicidal and homicidal at the time. I was very depressed and very low, and I um, I got a lot of help. And and then uh, to get myself right, and and I was a single parent. And at age thirty two, I started to look at myself, and then I started to look at my business, and I looked at all areas of my life, and uh, I had all the material things, but I had the ass out of my brains, you know, and uh, I wasn't happy in my skin. And so I had to change. And uh, so I, I changed the way I ran a business. I, I, I was a real seagull manager. You know, I'd crap on everybody, make lots of noise, and, uh, um, and I had to change. I had to um, do the biggest investment of my life. I had to start investing in me. I had to go to seminars. I had to learn to talk to people because I was always an isolator out the back of the bakery and I had to, I got involved in the community, I got involved in the Chamber of Commerce, I got involved in the industry, I started to go to trade shows and... Uh, was, uh, it, was all that really hard or did you... Oh, it was uh, terrifying. Even today, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an isolator. I'm a, people don't see me that. They see me up on stage and they see me here and I'm, I travel all over the place and they think, wow, Tom's really got it together. I still suffer lots of fears and insecurities and uh, when you have a bit of a learning difficulty, you're always a little bit scared, you know, and I can't pronounce lots of words and uh, and uh, my staff crack up at times. I was in there uh, on, on yesterday and laugh, I said something because I said it wrong and <laughs> it wrong. They, they get a big laugh out of that. But... Um, but um, Yes, yeah, so I, I started to work on my business as well as in it. And that's really when I changed. And 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 I ended up getting another hostage. I ended up getting remarried a couple of years later, Christine, <laughs> and happily married today, uh, yeah. one day at a time, you know, for 25 years. And, you know, my wife's my biggest asset, also my biggest liability. You know, your wife is your biggest business liability. Half your money, half your money on straight away. <laughs> You know, uh, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. You know, that's the hardest job you'll ever have to be happily married, and uh, and uh, and it's a big business risk. And a lot of people don't realise that. And so, I had to, I had to, uh, you know, I work on my marriage today. I work on my business today. I I still live in Beechworth. People find that really strange, but well, it's a beautiful I'm, part of the world, Tom. But I'm going to pull you back into that time where you, you'd come back and you'd gone into Beechworth. You, you found a business there that was worth buying? Is that what you did? Well, well, look, it was a business that it was a bakery that was finished. It was bankrupt. It was uh, the rats had taken over. Um, it was really bad. It was beyond, beyond bad. It's Anyway, I um, was going to buy it and I heard that they were going to put a health order on it this day. The day I was, we were, we were due to sign the next day. And I went up to the council and I said to them, look, I want to buy that business. And uh, and they said, Tom, look, the health department's coming from tomorrow from, they'd been trying to get this guy for ages. You know, somebody had found a half a mouse, mouse in their loaf of bread and it was, it was pretty bad. Anyway, I said, look, if you put the health order on it, I won't be able to, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to. And anyway, they trusted me. I said, "Look, I will, I will 
I will clean it up. I will do this, do that. And uh, anyway, they trusted me. They didn't put the health order on it. I bought it the next day. And um, and the first day we got it, we got a... Um, we got a guy with a, a front end loader and a, and a truck, and and we just pulled most of the stuff out and just threw it into the front end loader. He dumped that into the and we shoveled, shoveled with shovel the 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 mouse done and the rat and there was dead rats and dead uh, even birds that died under the bakery benches. It was beyond belief, and the mould and the rubbish. Anyway, we pulled all that out. A big team of us worked and. Uh, we we put a new mixer in, new equipment, and um, and we opened up, and and boy oh boy, uh, from the next day we opened, uh, we were just busy. We were busy. It was a business that was had it. He had hadn't paid any of his. I wanted, oh, yeah, I wanted the uh, the licenses. There was no licenses paid. He hadn't paid anything. So I bought this business that was bankrupt, turning over a hundred thousand turnover for the year. So this hang on, you, 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 you've bought a business bankrupt. There, uh, there are mice found in loaves of bread. You've cleaned it all up, opened the doors, and it, it's successful immediately. Surely the the locals, uh, surely it must have been on the nose, excuse the pun. No, well, that's the strange thing. People find this, and I don't normally ever explain it. You've never, I've never, you're the only person who's ever asked me that question, and that this is really strange because <laughs> why would I... Um, uh, the next day when I opened, uh, I had queues of people and didn't cope. Why it had happened, because I'd been in business in Beechworth seven years previously, and it was like the, the Messiah had come back, the guru had come back, and... Um, and that, and I don't sort of talk about that, but that that you're the first one who's ever asked that question. So... Well, well, I, then I, I am interested. If you haven't spoken about, it, so you really your first time in Beechworth was a success. You were making a good vanilla slice or whatever it happened to it be. It was a success. I bought a, a cafe and it was a little single fronted, tiny little place, and I turned it into this bakery um, a milk bar sort of thing. And um, and that's what I that's and this is a business I'd come back seven years later and bought back and at that time it was it was bankrupt it was finished and um it, it, this guy was derelict in his own home and uh and and it was bad and uh uh, but so this is it. I sort of don't tell because it, it sort of confuses the story because the story really started, the Beechworth Bakery story started in 84. Before that, it was the Ideal Cafe and that, and that was years previously and I'd sold it to this guy and then I come back seven years later and he was um, – and. And look, I, I, from the first day, we were just inundated and um, because there'd been a build-up, everyone had heard I was coming back and everyone heard I was buying it. And uh, This is a bit it, like the um, the Kerry Packer, Ellen Bond story where he, he sells Channel 9 to uh, Ellen Bond and then uh, lets, lets Bond completely uh, ruin it and buys it back for a song. Yeah, well, that was it. But I paid way too much for it, but I had to get him out. Here he was in so much financial debt, I had to pay him as much money to get him out of financial oh, debt. Oh, really? And, okay. uh, but so you've got you've got queues lining up in the very first week of the Beechworth Bakery yes. Open. What were you doing right? We are just making a good product. Um, 
uh, still no one seen me. I hid out the back. My I took my brother-in-law in as a partner, and Alan was always front to anyone. You know, he would front anyone. Um, I was too busy to talk to anyone, and um, um, but but like I said, uh, about six months, four months later, my wife took off, and uh, and and I fell in a big hole, and uh, I couldn't go to work, and. Um, and and it wasn't good, and we started the business started to suffer a bit. So I took in another partner, who did an apprenticeship with me in Western Australia, and but they were both bloody useless, my brother-in-law and and Philip. But anyway, in the end, after uh, quite a while, um, I got robbed and all that sort of stuff. You know, everyone was having a field day. But anyway. Um, uh, it, it was suffering and my accountant, who's still my accountant today, he's been my accountant now I think for about 31, 32 years and they're in, in Perth and he said to me, Tom, you've got to get back into that business and uh, I was a mess, you know, when my wife left and it took me a long time to get my act back together and I got, when, like I said, I ended up getting another hostage and got remarried and uh, I got back in there and that's when I really, and this probably was, 84 the story started, but probably, probably 86, you know, that's, we just went. I, I started to, in them couple of years that I was just messing around, I, I was doing these courses and uh, I did courses on self-help and, um, you know, and and, uh, and all these sort of stuff and on, on the personal development and uh, I invested in me and uh, and I got, I got, I asked for help. I got people from outside to come in and advise us how to do it better. And uh, and that was really one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in small business is to ask for help because you don't want to look too dumb. You're mm-hmm. supposed to be a guru. And I got people in and 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 but then after a few years but can i just say then i mean you you might have been a great baker and clearly you are and were but uh, being a great baker or being a great doctor or being a great whatever it may be doesn't make you a sensational business owner or business manager does it no definitely i see lots of great bakers far far better craftsmen tradesmen than i'll ever be and their business they're just holding on. They're just hanging on by the oh, they and just by the finger. They're, and they're not, not making any money yet. They are terrific tradesmen. I get that quite often. Bakers come in and they'll say, "Gee, you know," and they, they're, they're embarrassed because our product is very uh, middle of the road. You know, we are not gourmet. We do a few gourmet pies and different stuff, but we we do a, a, a very middle of the road product and. Um, and and these bakers come in that are really terrific, and and they can't believe um, how can we get all these people? Uh, how can we be turning over fourteen million dollars out of six bakers? Not possible, not possible, just not possible. Some people reckon I sell drugs, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> most bakeries turn over good, you know, around half a million. Some good bakeries turn over a million dollars turnover. Uh, we're turning over, you know, 14 million with six shops under management, under management, totally cash, um, no wholesale, and um, and and that is it. You can be a great baker, but it is it's it's about watching the pennies. It's about buying. It's about the training. You know, our business, like I said, our business. They want every. We have business people every week, 
every week we have business people checking our, our business, mm. and uh, we had one there yesterday, and and uh, uh, wanting to know the, there's got to be a secret. There's got to be a secret. Yeah, you know, what, you know, what do you do, Tom? What do you do? And, and, and it's our people. It's our people. It's, it's our product. It's our partnership with our people and our tradespeople and our our consultants. It's our and, and it's that passion. It's that passion. Get in there, boots and all. You know, uh, mm. you know. Together we're better. You know, none of us do it alone. You know, and it's so. It's about training. We do a lot of training now. A lot of business people. Um, they say to me, Tom. You know, this. You know, what if you train them? You know, and they leave and. Uh, what if you don't train them and they stay? And that's what lots of us do in small business. We don't train them and they stay. You know, it's a S-H-I-T, you know, simply how I think. You've got to think positive and work hard and work smarter. You know, there's a lot of, lot of you've got to have a good product. You've got, if you haven't got a good product, shouldn't be in business. But my business is also about people. And, um, and I suppose that's, a, you know, it is mostly, you know, like I said, my business is, Five percent technology, ninety-five percent psychology and attitude. You know, we're big in technology. We have lots of technology, but it's people who run the technology. It's it, my business. It comes back to people. You've got to trust them. And uh... hey, guys, I just want to interrupt that interview uh, with Tom, which I hope you're enjoying because uh, he really is sharing some some actually business building gold, just beyond marketing gold, but business building gold. And there's a hell of a lot more to come, so uh, stick with us. Um, as I said, up in Noosa on a family holiday, just came off a jet ski and uh, was actually talking to the jet ski hire guy about the marketing of his business. Can't help myself, but um, really interesting just to hear him tell me, like, this is a guy, this is like a 60-year-old guy, saying, oh, you know, the directory advertising's not working, the local paper advertising's not working, and he's really embraced, um, he's really Im- embraced online, basically. Uh, he even told me, go, go and like my Facebook page, mate. You'll get a, you'll get extra 10 minutes next time you book. And he was doing some really smart stuff. Um, he just revamped his website. He was doing some pay-per-click advertising. He even actually said the words or the acronym SEO, search engine optimization. Inspiring stuff coming from a 60-year-old bloke. Um, he was right onto it. Uh, and plus, he said he was saving so much money by actually not going down the old school path of, you know, print advertising. Sometimes it can work, guys, but other times this is the way to go. To that end, netregistry.com.au is a source for any small business looking to optimize their online marketing. So all that stuff I just talked about and all the stuff that Mr. Jetski is doing, you can access through the guys at netregistry.com.au. So that's pay-per-click advertising, SEO, revamping your website, um, social media, all those strategies um, they can help you with. So go and have a look at them online. There's a there's a button on uh, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com if you would like to access their site or go straight to netregistry.com.au. I also wrote a blog post, which I'll share in the show notes, that talks about how um, a local business can get found online. And it gives some simple, quick, easy steps to do that. So encourage you to go and have a look at the show notes for episode 91 of Small Business Big Marketing. Um, But enough of that. Let's get back to Tommy O'Toole, who is absolutely about to share more gold. Enjoy it. 
And, you know, and I've been burnt many times, but i still got to trust them. One of the um, other interviews I've done with Jeff Harris, who's a founder of Flight Centre, and he went on um, in length, in detail about this the egalitarian nature of Flight Centre, how he shared everything with his staff, um, and staff took complete do, to this day, take complete ownership of the success or failure of that company. And um, I noticed you talk about here on your website, empowering your staff, enable them to learn their success contributes to your success massively so do you hand over how how much do you hand over to your staff look i'm totally redundant totally redundant in my business today i own 75 percent of the company but marty marty runs the show today he, he he's my business partner and now marty was my young apprentice now he has learned to delegate and and it's great. Now I, I've been in Europe for a month. I come back and Marty, he's he's overseas with his family, and uh, uh, they do no one's running the show, but they, they are. They run and uh, look. <laughs> did you did you bump own. into him on the uh, the canals of Venice? Hey, did you bump into him on the canals of Venice? No, no, he was in Fiji. I was in Venice, and okay. I had been to Venice. I'd never been to Venice before. Incredible place. What a mount of it does look beautiful. But um. Look, the staff do take that ownership. Some don't want to take ownership. They just want to be told what to do. But, uh, look, um, it's they, they do. They, they run the show. They run the show. They're, they're, in, uh, they're in charge of first impressions. And, uh, um, and have, they, have, you gone as far as, have you gone as far as profit sharing or at what, what level do staff get to we, really we take ownership? Probably, Tried the profit share, very, very difficult. Tried it with the managers. I don't, you know, what we do, we do a lot of, um, we don't do the profit share. We, all our staff get free lunch, dinner, bread, coffee, whatever. That's all. Uh, we do a lot of training. We, we will have, uh, uh, we've got our, uh, we will have uh, uh, functions. Uh, we've got a big one on this Sunday night. There's going to be there. We've invited them all out home here. Um, I live four kilometres out of town and, and all the staff and family and there'll be entertainment. They're all out here. Uh, but, you know, like this year, uh, a couple of them were in New Zealand or a bakery conference. There's a few in Sydney at conferences. And, of course, they take a few days off. There's uh, quite a few. Um, last year, uh, three or uh, four I went to, uh, to, we went to the Disney Institute uh, over in Anaheim. Uh, the Disney Institute run lots of courses on people's management. So we do lots of that stuff. We do help them out in lots uh, um, in lots of other ways. We, we will We'll do lots of social nights. Um, all our, all our staff do have, do have access to all our figures. I, I, I was in there um, uh, yesterday, like I said, and they said, "Oh, look, we keep, we're going to easy. Uh, uh, um, uh, we've already taken uh, seven thousand through six hundred or something." And I there, I said, "Christine, how do they know?" She says, "Tom, they have access to all the figures just on the computer." They and and they said, "Oh, we'll, we'll beat our budget today." And uh, that was just a quiet day. And uh, um, but they have access to all the figures, and uh, people find that really strange. Um, you know, and I said, "Well, how do you like to you know watch a football club uh, game without the goalposts?" You know, you need you need to to tell them everything and uh, 
Uh, mm. Yeah, the margins are very small in the baking game. You've got to watch every. You've got to watch it. If you're over, if you're over, um, you have too many staff on, or you bake too much stuff. You know, you'll just do your dough. I know I've been running the play. You know, I, I you work my guts out for a month, and then my whole team and and we've made no money. Work work for a, mu- a month, you know, and uh, ran at a loss, you know, because not watching the costs and. Uh, and not watching the staff level. and uh... Tom, um, going back, because what I'm really interested to know, I'm always interested to understand that point where a business and a business, the business owner and founder stops and goes, geez, hang on, hang on, we, we, we've really got something special here. So you got to the point, I think you're about 32, you're yeah. in Beechworth, you'd opened up this, this wonderful uh, bakery in Beechworth called the Beechworth Bakery and you then had a breakdown and everything everything hit the shitter. Um, yeah. you, you got through that yeah. and what, you, there's another five bakeries to open up at this point in time, which you probably didn't know, at that, know then, but... Um, Lead us to that point where you've gone, hang on, we're onto something here. Well, just just the queues coming in. We had to take over, ended up taking over the premises next door um, because it was just a single-fronted little shop. And, and, and then we had to take over the next premises and then we had to go upstairs um, because there were flats upstairs. I had actually lived up in both flats up above the bakery over the years. They're both, they're all part of the, the bakery now. And um, uh, uh, so, so the people just kept pouring in the door and they still do today. And, and, uh, um, Yet our, our, you know, we've got no secret herbs and spices. Yo, I've even wrote a recipe book. So yeah, product is important, but the products out there, and like I said, we're bakers checking us out, and so the product's part of it. But it's uh, it's our people. It's that it's that taking that ownership of our people, taking that ownership. Um, and maybe having a mad guy like me as a, as a founder, I, I'm bugger if I know. But uh, look. I knew I wanted to build my empire. I was young and hungry and, uh, you know, I got remarried so I had someone to look after the kids and a couple more kids come along and, and I wanted I wanted to take on the world. You know, uh, you know, I'm six foot tall and bulletproof, I thought I was. But anyway, I, um, I uh, in my late 30s or whatever, I, I, I started looking around at doing another bakery and, Thought of all things, can't call it the Beechworth Bay. We're going to call it Tom and Jerry's or Tom and Allen's or whatever and whatever. Looked at lots of things and uh, uh, I knew for me to grow, I had to go. I had to go. And I did sell, you talk about profit sharing, I did sell a big part of my business to six of my staff and uh, I had to buy it back because they weren't hungry. They couldn't take that step from... Uh, uh, from management to an owner, they just couldn't take that step. And uh, what, what, what made you do it? And how did you identify the, identify those six staff? Well, one was my wife's uh, cousin. Does that help? Uh, no, that was a mistake. Anyway, uh, 
Uh, one was um, uh, my daughter and her husband. My daughter loved the industry, but uh, Adam wasn't, his heart wasn't in it. He did his apprenticeship with me, but his heart wasn't in it. It was just a job. So I had to buy it back off my own daughter. Now, none of them really wanted to sell it back. It wasn't very nice. Oh, gee, you've, you've all of a sudden introduced a family. That's right. Oops. Not nice. No. But had to make that hard decision, and I got help. You know, I got people in from outside and said, geez, Tom, you know, and uh, then another one was um, 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 and uh, uh, been with me for a long time, you know, and very loyal. And uh, um, and I offered it to a couple others who'd been there long. They declined and they're still with me today. And uh, um, but uh, anyway, I had to buy it back. And uh, but Marty, he kept. He had 7% share and now today he's got 25% share and uh, 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 Marty, he, he, he is a very good manager. He, he, he's um, he very, very good. He can work in it and on it, on the business and uh, does very good. So, look, I, so you talk about profit sharing. So I, I sold that and I had to buy it back. But, look, for me to grow the business, I, I had to go. I had to go because I knew that I was going to lose my good people, like Marty and everything, because they had they had they want I had others who wanted to be managers and who wanted they didn't want to be owners, but they wanted to be part of the Beechworth Bakery story, and some of them um, uh, wanted to to go into their own business, and uh, so I knew. So I bought another. I, I bought another business, and boy, oh boy, you know, a lot of people said I could not duplicate what we'd done in Beechworth. And um, we bought our first, we bought a bakery. Somebody else had built this massive bakery, uh, humongous in, in Echuca, in Victoria on the Murray River, and they couldn't make it work. And it was huge, it was a big bakery and beautiful bakery, absolutely beautiful. Three stories, or oh, the top stories, accommodation and massive big building, and uh, and um, it looks like an old building, but because it's been built that way. But um, after about four years, they were closing the door, and over that four years, they'd rang me up a few times and asked me whether I'd buy it. Now they wanted quite a few million dollars for it, and it was just it, they in the end they were losing, so and they were closing the door. They and uh, I ended up buying it, and. Uh, uh, for a lot less, for a lot less, for a lot less, and it's a huge building, and and bought it, and um, but here we are. We had to, and now they were turning over around. This was this is now uh, just on ten years ago that we bought that our first Beechworth Bakery. So I was around uh, fifty, you know, forty nine when mm -hmm. I finally bought. Because I could always talk about it, talk about it, never did anything about it. Looked around, there were so many opportunities, but I didn't have the skills. So I, had to, I got people out from outside, and I, I sold a part of this. This was at the time when I'd sold the share. Anyway, we were going to call it Beechworth Bakery, and they said, Tom, how can you call it Beechworth Bakery? It's in Echuca. <laughs> and I said, well, they got Bendigo Bank in Echuca, and um, so uh, now they've got a Bendigo Bank in Beechworth. So uh, 
but uh, so it was Beechworth Baker. Now, some people, the council, a couple of the councillors were not happy about that, uh, told us we couldn't call it uh, Beechworth Baker. That's our trade name. So anyway, but it's called Beechworth Bakery. And uh, we're turning over 300000 turnover when we bought it, running at over 50% labour cost. It was 50 56 or 53 percent anyway they were in real trouble losing a lot of money and um and it was just a joke it was just a joke uh to have uh, anyway and uh, i think we turn we, we turn over in excess of three million out of that business now uh, 10 what, years what, what did you have to do because okay so did, did you have a, a pretty clear template at the beechworth bakery in beechworth that you then it was simple enough to replicate, or well, weren't, we thought, weren't you that weren't you that um, sophisticated at that stage? Well, we thought we were, but you know, we we weren't sophisticated, and we thought we had the template, and we didn't really. Well, we did have it on the pro. What one of the big mistakes we did um, on that business, um, we took on a lot of their staff. They had a massive lot of staff, and uh, we took a lot of their staff on. Now that was wrong because the culture was all wrong mm. and and uh, oh boy well, if, you, if you're telling me that 95 percent of your business is psychological then you know t- clearly the psychology of that of that existing oh. business was completely uh busted yeah totally it was it's about people and i took on the wrong people there and boy that made it hard because what happened there we opened up and we thought we'd just do a, a low opening wow the Beechworth Bakery is coming to Echuca. Well, we were inundated. It was chaos. We couldn't cope and we were trying to cope and it was just bedlam. So we did a lot of damage actually in the first week because uh, we we had the wrong people on and uh, they'd never experienced anything like this. And, and um, so in the end, we had to get more of our people over there and... Um, we had to get our culture into there, that that, that people taking, being accountable and taking that ownership and, uh, um, you know, that, the, the people who built it, they they built it so big it was very difficult to control. But they put it, they had this incredible wood-fired, beautiful, very many tens of thousands of dollars worth of oven but it was useless because it just sat there as a big hunk of brick. So Marty, Marty took control of Vachuca, and he was only a young fellow then. Uh, Marty would have been in his early twenties, and uh, he got over there. And we shut the bakery for a week, and he got a bobcat into the bakehouse again. Uh, it was like back in the old days. But they were just pulling out equipment and and uh, and. Uh, pulling out this big brick oven and doing all this stuff it was a bit like going back in 84 when we had to but how do you how do you bring um because just for people who don't understand the geography of what we're talking about here beechworth to achuka is a few hundred k a couple hundred couple hundred k bit over two to a bit over two uh, hours okay so it's not as simple as bringing over the beechworth people each day to go to work in achuka no, um, did, right. did, you, did you relocate people? How did how did you actually bring the culture I, I use in inverted commas across into beach into the Echuca store? Well, we didn't. We had the wrong people at first, so we just had to get more people over there and more of our people. More, we just had to grab them from Beechworth because we were in real trouble. And we then 
had to learn to recruit properly and then we really we thought we had recruited but we didn't know that took us a few more years to get that recruitment under control it's a big part of our success today we 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 um but anyway uh and then we weren't sophisticated enough but boy oh boy did we learn and you know it's become a great business today but it was a headache and uh um but it's 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 going very well and uh, and then we ended up doing others but none of them are very close the only one that's close is the one in Aubrey and uh mm. you know uh, um, 45 minutes away, 50 minutes away, and uh, in the Myers Centre, it's a little one in the shopping centre where the, all the others are standalone. But Hillsville, we have one there, over three hours' drive from Beechworth. Ballarat, about four hours' drive. God, crazy. Bendigo, you know, uh, probably uh, two and a half, three hours' drive. Um, and none of them are really close. So the people, the, the managers and that, they just they just take total ownership. The staff take total ownership. It's uh, it's pretty incredible how it works uh, under management. They're not franchised. We're not a franchise business. We we did franchise um, after a couple of years. We did franchise a chuka out uh, to one of our staff members. Let me guess. Uh, you bought it back? We bought it back. We bought it back last year. Look. They made a lot of money at it. They did very, very well, but they ended up buying the boat down in Port Phillip Bay and uh, uh, got into the Gulf and got into lots of this and never put much back into staff training, mm -hmm. uh, never put much money back into upgrading equipment and uh, um, uh, did very well out of it. But anyway, we bought it back and uh, we're very, very pleased to have it back because... We didn't want it to hurt the brand, and um, uh, so it's back under. You know, it's it's a company-owned shop again, and. Uh uh, so, so Tom, you, you touched on this whole notion of recruitment, uh, and it took you a few years to get your recruitment strategy, policy, process, whatever you want to call it, right. What have you done to ensure that when you employ a person into the Beechworth Bakery brand, that they're the right person? Well. You know, we hire for attitude, you know, train for skill, hire for will and train for skill. Hire people that are willing to learn, hire people that are willing to do that little bit extra, hire for will and train for skill. Look, if they've got a good attitude, we can train them. If they've got a bad attitude, we can't. Anytime, I tell you what, anytime we've got problems with our staff, we haven't followed the procedure any time. We haven't did the the, the 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 checks on them. We haven't we haven't uh, we haven't did our homework. And I, I can guarantee. I don't care how skilled they are. I I've been in business you know nearly forty years now, and and I've hired some really skilled people over the years because I needed them skills. And been a disaster. They've been skilled, but they haven't been a team player. You know, one bad apple will send the whole case bad. And I have seen that. I have seen it. Oh, God. So hire for attitude, train for skill. Follow the procedure. We do, you know, sometimes, sometimes, oh, God, we need someone. We need someone. And, you know, you're better off letting your 
business suffer than getting the wrong person in. And we've done that. We've got, and then when you get them in, you know, we have the three months and somebody can be, somebody can hold their uh, Dr. Jekyll on the high, they can hide that for three months and then the you know, insanity comes in and you think, oh, God almighty. What a, <laughs> and then you've got to try and reverse over them in the car park or something. You know, um, it's, 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 it's very difficult. Uh, so, you know, you really got to put a lot of work because our business is about people. It's about mm. people. So we've got to recruit right. But, uh, again, we got somebody in from outside to help us put that procedure together. But I know at times we, we you know, and I'm thinking, how have they got this one, you know, and because uh, they haven't followed the procedure and very hard to get rid of the person then. Tom, I just want to move the conversation across into social conscience and the people I've interviewed previously, we've they've talked about um, whether or not it's important for a business to have a have a social conscience, a community con- a conscience, whatever you want to call it. Is it important to Beechworth Bakery? Oh, massively important to the beach. Um, yeah, the more I give in more community, the more I get. You know, that has been one of our real secrets, another one of the secrets of the Beechworth Bakery, getting involved in the community. And, um, uh, you know, for years, uh, you know, I was in the Chamber of Commerce, president of the one day, oh, God, what a draw. And, you know, my wife was always on committees. Now we're not Marty. He's he's in the Chamber and he's on committees and on government body and he was talking. And, and our other managers in, in, in Ballarat and uh, uh, Chukur and, yeah, they get involved in the community in a big way, in lots of ways, with schools, with fundraising, with the sporting clubs and uh, um, letting them use our premises for community stuff. At the moment, yeah, at the moment, all the... And and, and is that a philanthropic thing or is it part of the brand and you're happy to include that in your marketing messages and let people know? It's a philosophy. Look, if I've got a... If I've got a... I think that's where real wealth is, you know, is is in your community. If you've got a strong community, you know, that's wealth. That that's 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 what it's all about is being in a community that cares and and um so it's just it's for the good of all of us, I think. Uh, you know, if we have a, a, a vibrant business community, we'll have a vibrant uh, uh well-being community as well because you know you need a strong business community because every scouts and the girl guides and the footy club they all come and hit and ask because we have a front door so the stronger the community is the stronger the business community the stronger the whole and that that's what that's what real wealth is about i think is 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 um uh, being happy where you live and being part of the community, being part of the bigger picture, and 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 that's what it is. So we do a lot. We give a lot away. We do a lot of community stuff, massive amounts of community mm. stuff. Tom, you've um you've talked about uh, lots of challenges that you've had. Um, you've talked about how you've you, at a point you finally decided you're going to ask for help. I know that. Every business owner comes across challenges, some some very intense challenges, life-threatening challenges, others, you know, financial, whatever it may be. Um, some give up, some don't. Um, you've gone and sought help, but how, how do you have other ways in seeking 
to break through these challenges? What would you say? Well, to I, 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 I read a lot. I love, I love uh, you know, I have some uh, books that I read every day. No matter what, I read a couple of pages out of uh, How to Have a Positive Day Every Day by no- Norman Vincent Peale. I have these little, yeah, probably these little tricks of, uh, of helping me cope with life and, and living it. Because it's very hard. My business, I've had to let go and let God, let go and let somebody else. I have to let go and try. One of the hardest things I've ever, ever, ever had to do in small business is to learn to let go. And um, uh, so I have to have, uh, I have to have these little, uh, mannerisms, these little things to help me cope. And um, can you so, share, can you share some of the, some of the others? You got a, you got a book. What I, I have, what I, I have books. I listen to CDs. I um, I try to talk to positive people. I keep away from the energy suckers and the dream takers. I don't watch the news because I tell you what, if I watch the news now. Now, I read newspapers, love newspapers, but uh, but I don't watch, I'm not a telly watcher. But, you know, if I happen to watch the news, it'll be the same news I was watching 27 years ago when I stopped watching the news because I was addicted to the news and that was the only thing I used to watch. And, and you know, it'll be the same rapes, wars, murders, crashes, you know, all this doom and gloom. So I try not to take on all this negativity. I walk in the bush every day. If I'm home, if I'm in Beechworth, I walk every day in the bush just to give me that quiet time um uh, so i do a lot of that i believe very much in the power of prayer i'm 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 not a religious person but i I believe in the power of prayer god help me you know because i need it i need it but uh (laughs) i just have little um uh, little little uh, tricks that help me cope in in this world of reality you know because i I realized i've only got today that's all i've got i've only just got to get through today you know and and anyone can do that just get through the battles of one day it's just you know when you join yesterday and tomorrow up that's when you go mad because i've been there but i you know live every day if it's your last you know and one day you're going to be right and and that's it you know how important (laughs) is it how important is it? You know, I'm happy in my skin today. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm in love with life and I'm raring to go. I, you know, my staff, I was in there yesterday and they just, uh, there was a lot of laughs, there was a lot of fun and I thought, wow, and that's what it's all about is uh, being in love with life and raring to go. Do, do you reckon um, you had some extraordinary circumstances in starting your businesses and the poverty you talked about and some of the personal issues that you've shared? Um, today, what if someone's wanting to start you know, the, the, the big business idea today, whether it be a bakery or, or whatever it is, you know, um, what would you say to them? Is, is it still possible and, and, and what, what, are they, what are the things that they've got to get right up front? Is it possible? Look, I, I believe, I, I honestly believe there's more opportunities out there than ever before. You know, don't wait until this economic storm has passed. You know, learn to dance in the rain. We live in a land of opportunity. I don't see boatloads of people heading to Bolivia, I can tell you. You know, uh, you know you've got to... You've got to keep in touch with your dream. You know, we have these dreams. We go into business 
to with this dream to give us a better life and we met all we meet all these energy suckers all these dream takers who'll tell you it can't be done there's lots of dream takers out there who'll tell you and sometimes we're married to them or we're, they're our mates our friends and you've got to be really 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 careful of the dream takers and the energy suckers you know like there's always so many people out there who tell you, you know, oh, you're, you're up yourself, you're mad. And so you've got to keep in touch with your dream. But first, you've got to know what you want. You've got to know what you want and think, is this really what I want? Whether it's starting up a flower shop, a bakery or, or you know, flight centre, whatever you want to do, you've got to, this is, is this what I want to do? And, um and I still have to ask myself that I'm, I'm going over to East Timor in, Jan in January. I was over there last January to help in a – I'm going to Uganda, Uganda next year to set up a bakery in an orphanage over there. And is this what I want to do? Yeah, that's what I want to do. So you've got to, got to know what you want to do and then – climb as high as you can dream, you know, climb as high as you can dream, you know, why not, you know, why not now, you know, but because uh, we do live in the land of opportunity, mm. but uh, there's a lot of people out there who tell you it can't be done, but ask for help, but, you know, don't, don't, don't get, you know, we get, we get paralysed by analysing everything, we, you know, that, uh, don't get paralysed by analysing everything. Gee, if I, if I, you know, if I uh, had looked at everything, I would never did any of this stuff that I would have done because anyone with half a brain would have known that it wouldn't have been possible. It wouldn't have been possible. How could you turn it around, yeah, if you really looked into it? Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, great. Well, great words, Tom. Do you... Um, how... Um here we go. This will, I'm sure you've got an answer for this one. Look, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the baker from Beechworth. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I don't know. How do I want to be remembered? Look, I'll be dead and buried and gone and forgotten. And um, you get forgotten quickly. I don't know. Uh, that's what I, Brian, I, that's I, what I built this botanical garden at home and that's... You know, I've got a few acres, quite a few acres, and uh, and I've got a hundred acres on the Mo River, and I've planted seventy thousand trees down there. So I'm giving that little bit back, and uh, that's what uh, uh, I want to remember it for. Probably uh, given that little bit. It's the little things that make the big difference, and I hope. I hope that I've helped some people out there um, with, you know, because if I can do it, anyone can, you know. Uh, it's about it's about getting in their boots and all and having a go, you know, 100%, you know. Um, it's about that enthusiasm, that passion and, and that belief in yourself. Mm, yeah. You've gone 180 degrees from um, extreme poverty to extreme yep. wealth. Yeah. Uh, and it must feel uh, it must feel amazing. Well, look, I you say extreme wealth, and you know, I think if you if you live in Australia, you're wealthy. I think you know, I think uh, what is wealth, and uh, you know, what is success? And for me, you know, success is being able to live the life the way I choose. Yep. Yeah, and I choose to be a baker in rural Australia. You yep. know that that is success for me. And I, I look, I, I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a clue what success is for your listeners. But whatever it is, is is climb as high as you can dream. Mm. Mm. Why not? Why not now? You know, um, 
Yeah, look, I lead a wonderful life, but uh, the best thing about it is I'm happy in my skin. You know, I'm 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 at ease with myself. I'm at peace with myself, and uh, um, uh, and that's 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 real wealth, I think. Tom, thanks, um, thanks a million. Uh, what you've shared uh, is inspiring, and it's a great story to be told. And uh, thank you. Well, 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 what can I say? Uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing that interview. Um, so much gold there from Tom and a great fellow. If you ever get a chance to see Tom talk uh, live, hear him talk, it's really worth it. Uh uh, and if you're from a larger company, I'd encourage you to actually get him along uh, to speak to your team because uh, it's inspiring stuff and, and a very animated character. Guys, as I said, um, well, I haven't said actually, but go and visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com if you haven't registered um, to be part of the community. Lots of benefits will come your way. There's a little form on the right-hand side of the page. Go and join our Facebook because um, that's where I share the lighter side of marketing. Some of the funnier things I see uh, on my marketing journey, I always share at facebook.com forward slash small business big marketing. Plenty of big interviews coming up. So I encourage you to be a part of the community and you'll be the first to know all about them. Until then, thanks for joining me for these last 50 minutes on my family holiday up at Noosa. I will now go back and introduce myself or reintroduce myself to the hammock until next time see you later guys bye you've been listening to the small business big marketing show with tim reed want more marketing goodness then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com